Welcome everyone to Torah Today Ministries and the first episode in our series, Be Our Guest. And I can't think of anyone I'd rather have sitting next to me today than my good friend Kamal Sampara, who is from Nova Scotia up in Canada, uh, by way of India. And uh, so Kamal, I think we said it was about 13 years ago that you first contacted me and began to share your faith journey with me. And we've been up to visit you a couple of times in Nova Scotia. And finally, you got to come to Ohio to our home, and it's just great to have you here. So I've been excited to get you to sit down with me and to share some of your life. You have an amazing story, and he is going to write a book. I'm going to <laughs> twist his arm until he writes that book someday, because it's an amazing life. So, Kamal, I'm just going to turn it over to you and... Um, you're born and raised in India. Yeah. But then what was the journey to get from there? Yeah. So I'll just limit to my journey in Christianity, so to speak. Sure. See, my mom um, was a Lutheran and my dad was a Baptist, right? Yeah. I, and they still are, like officially Baptist because the wife follows the husband yeah. back and, in India. And do they get along? <laughs> they do get, get, they along, get along. But they still take pride in where they were yeah. before. So... Uh, but I got saved in a Pentecostal meeting okay. where it was a time where I n never understood much about God and the preacher was talking about Jesus on the cross and his death and everything. Okay. But it, it was different. It was different. I didn't know what it was. And then I experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that really, I wept like a baby on a stage and I didn't know what was going on because I was 15 years old and people were watching me on the stage and there were girls too. So it was kind of embarrassing, but I still uh, would not trade that experience because that was the first time I encountered God. So after that thing happened, I walked out of that event and I asked a guy, what happened to me? Yeah. He said, oh, you are born again. I said, what does that even mean? So I had no idea what that meant. So that began my journey of confusion, <laughs> actually. <laughs> so I didn't know, uh, why is the Baptist so different from a Pentecostal? Why, uh, like all these questions begin sure. to emerge and then you try to figure out what is the true Christianity. But because I didn't understand the word of God, because the first Bible I had was King James and it was easy to read Psalms. And that was the only thing I read. And uh, most of my early Christian life in India was built on emotionalism, sensationalism, and also what others told me to do, yes. right? Because I, I didn't know the Word of God. So it was like you're kicked like a soccer ball from both the ends many times. It was tough, but yet I loved the Lord. And he somehow kept that passion and the desire to seek Him, to walk with him, but you know, I had numerous failures. I thought as soon as you are so-called born again, you'll be floating in the sky <laughs> and your life will be super smooth, no temptations, no nothing. Right. You'll be living a holy life. But the only difference I began to notice is whenever I did something wrong, I had a conviction which I didn't have before. And that's where I realized, wow, this God really lives in me. Right? And he kind of prompts these things. So it was a good um, beginning. Then I came, uh, I finished my studies in India and I came to the U.S. to do further studies. And uh, one of the most remarkable encounters was I was working with a Russian scientist in the, in the cell and molecular biology department. 
and we were looking at some organism or a specimen and he said um, look at the way mother nature has done that mother nature I said no it's not mother nature it's father God Igor that's what he told him it's like no 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 he said there is no God that was the first time in my life I have mm. ever heard that statement that there is no God because I come from a land of 330 million gods and goddesses and counting, <laughs> right? So I didn't know how to answer. I thought, okay, better learn my Bible That's now. One extreme to the other. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So I, I uh, went to a Bible college, and uh, and when they started off, it's like, so I was sitting in the classroom. They said, what do you think about the amillennial predispensation? It's like, I had to stop the class. I said, sir. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Could you please explain? So I had to interrupt the class because it was that difficult to understand. Even Christianity, I thought I knew it, right? I was passionate for God and doing all these things. Um, I learned certain things, but most of them were pre-made stuff. And I was still not satisfied. And the problem that happened with me is I learned a lot. That Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew and certain uh, outlines and the overview and things like that but somehow in my learning I lost the romance with God yes. I knew too much but I lost that intimacy yes. that childlike now, mm. now listen to your experience I I think of my own where I grew up knowing the Bible but not knowing God right but you spent years you knew God but the Bible was right. foreign to you exactly so it's fascinating right. to hear you share from it's the reverse right it's like, I would still die for Christ, no doubt, right? But <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it was a weird paradox, right? So, but that's when um, that childlike faith, where I didn't even know how to pray. I didn't know anything about anything. It was still that beautiful awareness that he was there, sure. right? That's what kept me going, and it was fantastic. It was beautiful to... If I messed up, I wouldn't look up because I felt like he was breathing down my neck or watching me. I, I felt bad that I hurt him. So that's the kind of relationship I had. But I had to grow into maturity, but I didn't know how. Yeah. So, I, yeah, go ahead. So um, you were at an evangelical mm -hmm. Bible school. Right. But you were there for, I think you said, a year, like and a half. year and a half. Yeah. So why did you leave? Uh, I was done. It was a, I went, wanted to actually finish Bible and go back and do my research and whatever I was studying. Mm -hmm. But that's where I found my missing uh, side, which was Sarah, my, <laughs> my wife, who is a Canadian. And we moved back here. But here means in Canada. Nova oh, Scotia. sorry. I thought I was in Nova yes. Scotia this for a moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we moved back and I was still restless yes. because I knew there is more to God than what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. And I also saw a lot of pretending Christians. And that's the one thing I really don't like. Um, if I don't feel like loving God, I wanted people to say it. Uh, but if they don't say it and have some, you know, catchphrases that, right. you know, even I was using that jargon, it was really tough to fake it. Right. But inside I was being crushed because I needed to know this God. And then uh, accidentally I came across a preacher online and he began to explain the Bible uh, in a scientific as well as in the Hebraic and all that perspective. I said, wait a minute, that makes beginning to make sense. This is Chuck Missler. Chuck Missler, yes, yes. Yeah. It's a wonderful. Right, wonderful right. He began to talk about the Hebrew and the Jewishness of Christ. 
and this bringing together in in a way that it began to make sense then i began to understand that if i need to understand the word of god i need to put it in context yes. take it where it belongs geographically historically linguistically if i put it there then it'll open up right yes of course the holy spirit will give you all the understanding but at least the basic premise i need to get right yes. and yes. god can take that and it can blossom in a beautiful right. way so that is where i continue that journey still seeking where i can find the answers and there is a certain man named grant luton who came alongside <laughs> thank you google <laughs> yeah so and then i am grateful for what you've done for all these years um and i understand i'm not a perfect guy but my god is beginning to make sense even in this few years of journey and for that i'm grateful i'm not here to promote you grant but all i'm saying is you just opened up the scripture and you put it in front of me and i could not deny that i could not deny the truth of what the word of god is and it was in fact beautiful it is in fact beautiful to study Listen, let me do the crying for both of us you keep talking i'll sit over here and, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know you mentioned that to me before and I don't even know what to say to such a thing because I just feel like I'm just called to labor in the word and I'm just doing what I'm called to do and loving it and you know and I would teach and put things out there not knowing where they go uh but every once in a while God sends along someone just to share how their life has been changed not by me but mm-hmm. by the word of God and um and it's like thank you father for that it's uh, to have that little glimpse of the power of your word mm. to work in people's lives that's that's amazing right so. even in uh, trying to pursue and understand the jewishness of christ i found there was a lot of garbage out there i would use the word garbage because it is even more confusing yes. <laughs> right so god was gracious enough to help me because i didn't even know how mm-hmm. to search it's one of those things right right and uh, to come across somebody who doesn't have an agenda and just put the bible in front of you and say think for yourself i'm not forcing anything on you that's all you did mm. and it's up to me to wrestle with it or put it aside right so thank you for giving that option oh, <laughs> now no what were you doing in nova scotia at the time when this yeah so i started uh, i was waiting for my immigration first and after that i worked as a research associate in a science and medical research but after that i felt like i need to be a pastor and you know god was calling me and my wife so uh, there was a few people approached me because i wanted to teach bible there's no teaching of the bible even the basic premise mm-hmm. in Nova Scotia then or even now sometimes so i started teaching the bible like a little bible study i was very serious yes. about it and few people approached me and said why don't you be a pastor i said no i never been a pastor before <laughs> i don't know what that's i i never been to a seminary either or anything like that just before that a couple of people that i knew were intercessors uh came to my house and and they said we feel like god wants us to ordain you and they ordained me and uh, i got an ordination number i didn't know why that was happening to me yeah. but i said okay <laughs> right i went with it and few months later this church happens 
and uh, it's a Baptist church uh, that I was a pastor for for close to ten, ten years. Yes. And it started uh, off small. Started off with like 27 people and, and grew, grew uh, uh, close to 200 people. And uh, all I used to do is teach, 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 because uh, you told me uh, many times, feed the flock, protect the flock. That's the job. <laughs> job description. I said, okay, I think I can do that. So I really, really enjoyed studying the word. I didn't. I was surprised that they actually paid me for studying the Bible. <laughs> yeah, it can't beat that, eh? So I enjoyed being a pastor. But you know, even in a pastor journey, um, God continues to remove things and show you more sure. things, where He puts you in a place where you have to make choices. Right. So, I, and basically, um, I didn't fit in in uh, North American Christianity. That's the problem. Uh, because I wanted what the Bible Bible says I wanted. <laughs> I needed, so to speak. And uh, and that kind of displaces you. Yes, you know? I remember yeah. the, uh, the morning you called me and said, well, Grant, I stepped down from, resigned my position as a pastor. Because uh, I think where you put it, I can't believe one thing and have to be right. teaching something yeah. else. It, it, I don't want to be hypocritical. As I said, yes. you know, if I believe that and I'm responsible for the people who are hearing, right. how can I not tell them the truth? Yes. Right. And that conviction ate me up because it was not easy. Because it, to stand against the, the flow of religion wasn't easy. Right, and I if you understand. don't don't fit in, it's not easy. Yes, but yet I had to count the cost. I had four little kids and my wife, but we knew that we had to make the call. Yes, and it was liberating. Yes, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. So now you have a ministry called Acts. Right. Tell us some about that ministry. What what does the ACTS stand for? So accountability. Like okay, that's how this happened is. Um, in 2020, a buddy of mine, I do a lot of traveling to India. I've been doing a lot of work in India for many, many years. And even India has gone crazy with the prosperity gospel and um, Christianity is all, all over the place. But my buddy called me and, oh no, I, somebody in India called me to say, hey, we have some money to give to help pastors during the time of COVID. Do you know of anybody? I said, absolutely. When people want to give you money, don't say no yes, <laughs> to, to help somebody. So I called my buddy who does a lot of outreach. His name is Prabhu. He does a lot of outreach uh, in villages and the tribal areas in India. And I said, do you know anybody? He said, come on, thank you for the call because there are pastors and missionaries who are actually starving. Mm. Can you help? And he began to tell me their stories and I was like, wow, this is, and they're still living by faith, which is astonishing. Yes. So I send them the money, uh, but I thought maybe I'll begin to encourage some North American believers uh, with their testimonies, with their life of faith, how they're handling. So I began to send a few emails to my friends and then uh, people here were astonished by the stories and all of a sudden they started sending me money to send more. And uh, in the past couple of years, it'll be two years in November, we sent close to $60,000, oh, right? Great. And that uh, goes a long way. A long way, yeah. big time. And there's no middleman, no nothing. And then 
we called it acts because uh, the biggest things I didn't want to do, usually I start off by what not to be to what to be. So accountability was my priority. Like every penny has to be accountable. Number two is connectivity. I wanted to connect the believers in North America with the believers in the tribal areas. Even though they're so far removed, we are still the same body, yes. right? And this us and them mentality I wanted to get rid of. So that's why I began to connect their story so that it become real. So that's C in that. And the T is transparency. I wanted every step that we do as transparent as possible. If anybody wants to point fingers, there's no, right? So, and the S was servanthood. One of the biggest drawbacks I saw with missions from North America to a third world nation is, um, I'm going to serve you, but it never looked anything like service. Not everybody, I'm not, it's not a carte blanche statement, but a true servant is the one who is actually a servant yes. like our Messiah. And I said, you know, we are not throwing money to these missionaries or these pastors. We are their servants. That's what God positioned us for. So whatever we do is to enable them to do what yes. they, whatever they require. We'll provide and we'll help them with what God provides. And that's the servanthood part. And basically my premise is I'm not going to ask for money. I'm not going to ask anybody. George Miller and all these people did it yes. before. I said, why not? Let's see if that model works. So that's the principle I went yes. by. And today, till today, I didn't ask anybody for anything. And yet God gave and God gave. So my principle is if God gives, those are his children. He has greater burden for them than I do. Yes. So it's his prerogative, his uh, yeah. kingdom work. And if he wants me to stand and do it, I will do it. That's how we started. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's what I. Well, I know I get your uh, newsletters you send out every week or two. And, yeah. And uh, the stories, the photographs, and the videos of these pastors who don't even have shoes. Mm. And uh, you're buying shoes for them. <laughs> and they're thrilled to get a pair of cheap shoes so they right. can walk into the mountains and they'll walk for days mm -hmm. to go to a village that is so primitive, but right. to carry the gospel there and introduce people to Yeshua. Right. You know, when we were upstairs um, this morning and over breakfast, you were sharing about how in India, it's not at all like it is here in the West, but in India, the spiritual world is right out in the open. It's so obvious to everybody. But usually it's a very, the very dark side of spiritual darkness. And um, for, for example, share briefly the story about how you would have to walk to school. You had to go mm, by a, a, yeah. a Buddhist temple or Hindu, Hindu temple. Hindu yeah. temple yeah. And what yeah. the men were doing. Mm. So uh, in India, as students, most of us growing up, we traveled by the city bus, so mm. to speak. And from my house to the bus stop, it was like three kilometers that I had to walk mm. up and down, which I never liked and complained in the heat. Yeah. <laughs> but yet that's the way to do it, no complaints. But along the road, there was a Hindu temple and every year they used to do a ridiculous amount of blood sacrifices, like a week or so of an event where there's blood on the streets and these people are all painted up and they're dancing and piercing with themselves with lances and stuff. This is Book of Ezekiel, uh, yes, uh, Kings, is yes, uh, Elijah's. The same thing used to happen with drums and loud noise and everything. And every time I used to walk through them before I was saved, it was a terrifying experience mm -hmm. because it was 
not easy to watch this, yes. right? But I have to go amiss of them to the bus stop, otherwise I can't reach the college. But after I became born again, something really remarkable happened. Once I started walking, I, I said, Lord, fill me, protect me. I cover myself with your blood. And I was walking through them. They all began to stand still, literally froze, and they were staring at me. And I knew it was not them, but the demonic spirits within yes. them. And I, all of a sudden, I felt the great honor <laughs> that God, the creator of the universe, above every principality of, and power, yeah. is dwelling within me. And I can walk right through the, I held my head up and I walked through that and that was the greatest feeling ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you were light and they were in darkness and that right. light just, right. just shut down the darkness for mm -hmm. that period of right. time you walked in the midst of it. Yeah. So that's, that example stands out to me about how the spiritual realm is right in your face. Right. And not just the powers of darkness, but also miraculous things that happen mm -hmm. among believers. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I wonder if that's not coming to our nation as our, as our country and as the West in general slips into what's called a post-Christian era where more people like Igor, you mentioned, there's mm. no God. Mm. And the, uh, the spiritual darkness begins to flood. I think we're going to see right. things come out in the open more, both the yeah. bad and, and the, the good. good. And, so. and that's good, though. I like that. Mm -hmm. At least we know where we stand. It becomes right? obvious yeah. that the spiritual realm is real. Right. Yes. Mm. So if people want to get your newsletter or they want to go to the website, you have a website. Then I don't have no a website. website. They get the newsletter. <laughs> yeah. All right. How yeah. do they go about doing that? Yeah. I don't have a system, but uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you my email address. Probably it'll appear at the bottom of the screen. Yes. Okay. It's uh, axindo at gmail.com. I just created it. I didn't realize it'll take off like this. Yes. But... Uh, yeah, if you say, please. Only we knew somebody who knew technology. <laughs> right. So one of the things you have to know about Kamal is that I have him on speed dial. So whenever I come to a technical issue, making videos or figuring out software or how camera, I call Kamal and he always has the answer. So I can't believe you don't have a website for, for X. Yeah, it's... it's uh... It's already a lot of work, yeah. and uh, yeah. I'm not a full-time, right? So that's sure. where it gets yes. tricky. But uh, it's certainly something God put in my plate, and I really, really love it. Uh, yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, Kamal, thank you so much, and be sure to thank Sarah and your four beautiful kids. Yeah, thank uh, you. For loaning you to <laughs> us for a few days and coming down to visit. And uh, I know that what you've shared here is, is going to be a blessing to everyone who listens. And uh, we pray for, for X. Thank you. That uh, Much God will use you mildly to reach yeah. the, the poor people of India mm -hmm. with the good news. Amen. So thank yeah. you, Kamal. God bless. Thank you, Grant. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. That's all I have to say.